the community. Inspire Radio. Hey, this gentleman that's joining us tonight, he is currently... It's nice six o'clock in the morning over there, so I'm hoping he's done his hair. But um, Adam Grant, Adam is a a mentor. He is someone who works and does a lot of work with a place called the Home of New Vision, and this is in uh, Lansing, Michigan. And we got him on board because he has an amazingly interesting story and does some great work. Now, Adam, thank you for joining us so early in the morning Welcome over to there, the brother. Show, Adam. Good to be here, Lucas. Even if it is the crack of dawn, as they'd say here. What now, mate? Six fifteen in the morning. I'm hoping you've got up and uh, and at least brushed your teeth to talk to us because we don't want to be smelling bad breath over here, my man. I did no purple shirt or nothing though. Hey, the purple shirt story. That's another story for another day. <laughs> hey, now what we do, man? We have a we have a, a a growing a growing listener group here that uh, that that has either been incarcerated, is currently incarcerated, interested in the plight of the incarcerated people, and or families and supporters of. And you bring an interesting and amazing story to this, man. We don't tell anyone else's stories when we talk to people. We want them to do it for us. Can you tell us a little bit about you and what makes you such an amazing person in this space? Um, in a nutshell, and it's basically because last year in January, I was re- released from the Michigan Department of Corrections after serving 27 straight years. Um, I committed a bank robbery when I was 22, but it wasn't the first uh, felony that I'd ever incurred. So the court got tired of seeing me and basically threw the book at me. And probably about halfway through that stint, uh, I decided that I either had to commit to fully being a hot mess or I had to figure out how to get my life together. I decided to get my life together. So when I got out, I decided that it it only made sense with the people that I'd hurt that I come out and I start helping other people and I put that lived experience um, to good use, as I often say, turning pain into purpose. Uh, So now I'm doing uh, peer recovery coaching, so I'm dealing with people in the uh, recovery community. Um, I'm also working directly with criminal justice reform. Uh, I work as the Jackson Area Recovery Community Coordinator for Home of New Vision um, and that's kind of it in a nutshell. Hey, so t- tell us a little bit about the, the the type of guys that you work with. So obviously you've had a, a massive lived experience yourself. You know, serving such a such a large whack. You, you was there a time? Was there a time in there, Adam, or a time when you got home that that the light went off that you thought, "Geez, I'm going to turn this into good. I'm going to change this. I'm going to change this shitty existence around and turn it into something that can help other people." Can you can you give us a little bit of an idea as if to, if there was one of those moments for you? Uh, the, had, there wasn't so much one moment as there was there were several moments. I remember one one moment I had most of my moments took place while I was still in. When I came when I came out the when I came out those gates I decided that I was going to make a difference. I wasn't just gonna work in a gas station or 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 in a warehouse or something. Um, I, I knew that it was, you know, kind of my destiny so to speak, um, and my amends. Um, to kind of work helping other people. But one moment that I had um, while I was still in there was as I was attending services. Uh, part of my lineage is, is, is I'm Native American. I'm Leech Lake Ojibwe. And, and I was attending services, and one of the elders was talking to me, and we, were, and we were talking about something that needed to be done in the community. And he said, yeah, we need you out there. And I, and I said, yeah, I know we need more people like me out there. And he stopped me dead in my track. And he said, no, I didn't say we need people like you out here. We need 
you out here. And, and it started to click with me that every single person is a unique resource that brings something to the field, that brings something to the story, that brings something to any relationship that nobody else possibly could. And that included me. So I realized that it was kind of my responsibility to be what I call a beneficial presence, which requires me to show up and then be uh, a benefit to wherever I've showed up. So that's that, amazing, amazing. So, what does what do you do? So what 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 do you do with the guys that come and talk to you? How do they come and speak to you? What what what's your job and what's the the, the work you do specifically? The work I do specifically is is as the Jackenary Recovery Community Coordinator. I coordinate. Um, I bring people <laughs> from the community that. together. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and we decide we decide um, what the community is going to benefit from most. Um, we try and do things like. We've got a, um, a program we run called Project Social Connect, which is uh, where, we bring people, where we bring people who are uh, in recovery um, to events that are just entertaining or fun um, or, or social events. Because a lot of times people in recovery, you know, think that the days of having fun are behind them, but we want to show them they're not. The last thing that um, we did was is we took – everybody roller skating. We go to baseball games. We go to basketball games. They went to a haunted house um, for oh, Halloween. That's incredible. Um, <laughs> Did so you, the, yeah, a four-story a four four haunted house. That was pretty awesome. Did you get paid um, for being one of the uh, things scaring them, or was it, uh, was it other things? No, they've seen me enough. They don't scare me that much. <laughs> I, I, I thought about asking you to the party because that certainly would have worked. I love it. Um, love it. <laughs> but in my other job, in my other job as a peer recovery coach, what I, basically what I do is, is it's a non-clinical approach um, to substance use issues. So it's just about lived experience. I'm not trying to tell them anything. I'm just trying to live as an example. I'm just trying to share my examples of things that I've overcome. Not to say, not to say. So this is how you do it, but to say this shows you can do it. That's and just kind of being there with them. Hey, so you're uh, obviously you mentioned you mentioned why you went away and you had to, you had your time away. Did have you had or have you been influenced or affected by um, drug or alcohol or substances yourself to come to come to that space and be there? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I've I count my I count when I started drinking at eight years old because that's the first time I drank until the point I passed out. Well, wow. but I actually started drinking before that, and then and then as I got older, of course, naturally it kind of leads into other things. So I, I always say when they when they ask what's your drug of choice, I say alcohol, and everything else is a close second. It's kind of like what did you have, you know? Because that's pretty much what I did. Well, wow. so it had it had it had an impact on my life, and it, and it stayed uh, impactful on my life for a long time. A lot of people who haven't been in prison think it's really hard to get a hold of drugs, or it's really hard to get a hold of alcohol. It's really not. If you want to do it, it's not that hard to do. And that's the scary thing. Hey, um, Adam, we we yeah. want to keep we want to keep talking to you, man. We got some questions for yeah. you. Adam, we have just had an anonymous text come through on our mobile 0422108377. Are you happy to um, roll with that question? Absolutely. All right. So the anonymous text that came through is asking for advice uh, for our listener who has a family member recently incarcerated 
um, that have been released and they're going through a few issues at home. What can they do? What steps can they take? Where do they go for help? Um, well, where they go for help depends on where they're at because, I mean, every state, every country, every province has um, it, it, it's, it's, its own institutions in place, and some of them are better than others. But, but the main piece of advice is that I can give is just give them a little bit of patience. Unless you've been in prison, you can't really understand what it's like to kind of be hyper vigilant at all points in time, where you shut down certain emotions and mm-hmm. you heighten uh, other ones. Um, I've I've been released into an environment that probably helped to ease me into it because with COVID, there isn't there aren't the same number of large groups, there aren't the same kind of gatherings. Um, I'm not going to the restaurants right now because in Michigan, in Michigan, the restaurants are still closed down. So I don't always have to grab the back corner booth so that everybody's in front of me in the room. So you just have to be patient about these things that you have to be willing to talk about it when they're willing to talk about it and be willing to not talk about it when they're not ready to talk about it. Because forcing the issue won't do any good. It will just feel more like prison where somebody's telling you what to do again. All right, hey, I've got a, I've got one here. This is from James. I think it's a different James from the last one. My best friend has just come home from prison and he has started taking drugs again. What can I do to help him? Is there anything, any advice that you can uh, that you can assist him besides the patient stuff? What can you What can you advise to uh, to help James? I think that ultimately the best the best way to address these things is with therapy, and it's usually in a residential setting it helps more it's a little bit difficult sometimes for people who come out of prison to go into residential treatment because again it it, 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 it's a controlled environment and it feels very much like prison but how you frame it sometimes really um changes the way people approach it i actually try and uh frame the inpatient therapy as being kind of like a launch pad you know, for the rest of their life, but you get a little bit more runway, you get an opportunity to get a little bit more speed speed before you're actually ready to fly. But if they can't afford to go to residential or if there's not a residential uh, program that's open at the time, um, intense outpatient works pretty well too because then you're working the program. It gives you some kind of structure. One of the things a lot of people miss when they come out of prison, whether they realize it or not, is they miss the structure that prison provided for your doors open at a certain time. Child was at a certain time. You had weight pit at a certain time. You know, you had this routine and when you come out, everything is on you to set it up. Um, and, and, and you see freedom, you see freedom in a way that isn't always healthy either. You see the freedom too. You don't always remember the freedom from, um, so, that's what I would say is it's always about getting therapy. And if, and if they have the ability to deal with a peer recovery coach, somebody who has lived experience, everybody I've ever dealt with has found um, that to be a little bit more helpful, even in the clinical aspect, because they can just talk to that person and the other person can relate. They're not telling them what they should do. They're sharing experiences. Hey, mate, how does somebody go about starting a conversation with somebody that has um, issues, that is struggling? How do you go about starting that convo? Well, I think nobody cares 
what you know until they know that you care. So I think the way to start a conversation, especially with somebody who's in your circle of friends or family or something like that, is to simply tell them that you love them. And then take the, take the story from there. Um, a lot of times people have been told, uh, people who have substance abuse issues, who've been criminally involved, things like that, have been told um, for the entirety of their life in some cases that they're never going to amount to anything. And, you know, and that, and that internal dialogue starts to play itself out. So they stop trying because they don't believe it's going to happen. So if you tell a person that you love them and that you tell them that you believe in them and that you tell them that, that you have seen these other great things in them, um, that gives them something to start building on. And that's what you want is you want them to have something to build on, something solid to build on. And most of the time they're not going to necessarily uh, believe you because they don't see it themselves. It's not that they don't believe that you don't see it. But you ask them this question. You say, do you respect me? And they'll usually say yes. And then they say, and then after they say, yes, I respect you, then say, well, then borrow my eyes until you can see it. That's, mate, that, wow. That's, mate, that's inspirational stuff. That's, that's stuff that is just so practical. And, and I guarantee you there's going to be people that are sitting at home listening to this and, and they're sitting there thinking, wow, this is such such practically good advice. Now, one, one last thing, my friend, is the listeners don't know is that we've done a little bit of academic writing, a little bit of work together. Um, we sure. put a paper together. Do you want to give, do you want to give everyone a quick, a little bit of a, a real short one on, on to what that looks like and, and, and what we've done in that? Because that's going to be published soon. So once that's published, we'll be able to put it out to our listeners and get people to have a bit of a read of it. But let us know what that, what that was about. Well, the title of it was called Swinging Doors, and we were talking we were talking about the idea of, you know, coming out of one set of doors and then a lot of times having a lot of doors uh, shut in your face. Um, so we had a, uh, the three of us, you, myself, and Scott, uh, Scott Tompkins, and the, the, it, it was just a little bit of our own experience of how, even though we had uh, supposedly paid our debt to society and we're, we're moving into the next phase of our life, how certain doors continue to be closed on us. Um, educational doors, doors to housing, uh, even the issue of ban the box over here in the state is the idea of stopping putting this box that asks if you've got a felony conviction um, on job applications. Um, so w- w- we approached our own experiences. My own experiences uh, that I wrote about were the fact that we tried to move into the building with my uh, mother-in-law so that we could help take better care of her. They wouldn't let me into the building because of my 27-year-old felony conviction. Um, Man the box kept me from getting a lot of jobs that required lived experience, and apparently I had too much lived experience uh, for most people's taste in that regard. Um, and now I forget what the other, the, the other one was. <laughs> uh, At 6.15 in the morning over there, brother, we'll, we'll give you the permission that on a, you're up early on a Sunday morning talking to us. Uh, definitely sounds like exactly work. <laughs> hey, that'll be out soon though, man. That'll and be, it was. It will be. It was good. And, and it was, and it was amazing too because we did the presentation too, and so we had this international flavor to the presentation. As a matter of fact, one of the people who shared um, uh, uh, the segment that we were on was from Brazil and talking about convict criminology in Brazil. And um, matter of fact, I get a hard enough time from Scott and Lucas, but I get a hard time from 
several of my uh, mates over here, too, that they're talking about that I'm getting too full of myself because I'm getting international. So, uh. <laughs> Hey, Adam, we've just had one more text come through. Um, Look are you out, right brother. for Look one out. more question? So I've just okay. got our talking time uh, mobile phone up. I'm having a look. It looks like the text has come through from Alicia. Um, <laughs> and it reads, you've done a bit of work with Lucas. Can you give me any advice on how to deal with his crap? <laughs> well, I heard something about cracking a beer. You might want to do two or three more of those. Um, and just... And just take everything he says with a grain of salt. But at at, at the same time, um, and on the real tip, um, Lucas is a good guy, as you guys would say. Did he seriously just cut out? He was just about to tell people everywhere that I was a good guy. And hey, cut I, out. I had to cut that. I had to like bring that to a close. You That deliberately, Adam, that actually hey. cut out. Now, either you and Alicia have got this thing set up that you were playing this game and you went silent. Oh, or that was technical <laughs> difficulties. No. Technical difficulties. I'm feeling it's like okay. I've been stooged I here. feel like we need this to. Is, this is the universe. <laughs> This is the universe at work. We had nothing to do with it. Oh, man. <laughs> hey, um, yeah, cheers for that. Um, on a serious note, Adam, we really appreciate your time coming along and having a chat with us and giving so much um, uh, important information and advice for all of our listeners. Um, it has been great having you on board. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, mate, we're going to put up your um, contact details and all your information on our socials so that people want to get in touch with you and uh, and find out a little bit about things and, and even have a chat to you about if you've got any other experiences, that would be great. And, my friend, looking forward to speaking to you again soon and uh, and we'll keep, uh, keep in touch. And uh, thank you very much. We will head off to a break. Absolutely. Thank you, everybody. This is Talking Thanks, Time man. with Lucas and Alicia. You are listening to Talking Time on the Inspire Radio Network. You've got Lucas and Alicia. Luke. For the community, Inspire Radio.